When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Well, we waited 72 hours for baseball, and boy, did we get baseball. A traditional doubleheader at City Field between the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves after we got basically screwed on Friday with five innings of baseball. No baseball on Saturday, no baseball on Sunday. And we do get the doubleheader on Monday. Before we discuss the two games, I was perturbed by the pitching plan. And I say that long before the Mets lost game one, nine, eight, because logic would have said, all right, you could pitch Kodai on regular rest. We know the Mets are afraid of that. Or you could just stick with what the Mets had initially planned, which was Tyler McGill and Jose Budo. The Mets decide to option Budo down to the minor leagues. Denny Reyes gets the opening, if you want to call it that, because it wasn't really a start. And we were going to see kind of a cavalcade of Met relievers try to go up against Spencer Strider. It felt like a game that the Mets were essentially punting. And I hate to use that phrase. I don't like the idea of punting a game. Obviously, the lineup was put together in which you're trying to win. But when you're throwing out Denny Reyes, and then you're basically going to throw the entire bullpen at you. John Curtis, who just recently got called up. Steven Nagosik, who was just activated from the injured list. It feels like it's not a real effort to win a game. And for that to be the opener of the doubleheader, and I'm going down thinking, boy, if I get a split, I'll be thrilled, considering what you're throwing out there right out the gate. So it's a little disappointing, a little kind of weird that that would be their game plan. I know Budo was shaking his last start, but I probably would have just handed him the baseball. The, the Senga thing, and we'll talk more about it when we break down the Met rotation going into Detroit, Detroit and beyond, but they are, he's not hurt because I think if he was hurt, he wouldn't be scheduled to start Friday necessarily, which is what they have penciled him in for, but they're clearly afraid of him pitching on regular rest for now. And they can hide that for now, and they certainly hit it on this homestand in some two obvious ways, the beginning of the stand against Washington, the way they pushed him back. And then obviously what they did on Monday. So the Mets go into this doubleheader with Atlanta. It's Spencer Strider against Denny Reyes. I'm sitting there in my office. Then I go to Craig's office and I say to Craig, who didn't even know the Mets were playing. I have to remind them. I said, this is the loss. Like I hate to be super negative. And I really, I'm not as much as maybe I sound that way. But I'm not necessarily negative before every single game. But I sit down watching Danny Reyes, who's pitched well out of the bullpen. Don't get me wrong. Facing Spencer Strider. And I turn to him when Acuna leads off with a base hit. And I say to him, we're dead. Like, this game's over. And then the second guy gets on pace. Matt Olson gets a hit. And there's two on and nobody out. And I say it again to Craig. I said, we're dead. And then Austin Riley pops up. And I look at him and I say, we're still dead. And then Sean Murphy, what a great move that was. Like, like the Braves didn't need another good catcher. 
Sean Murphy hits a three-run home run. And I look at Craig and I say, you see, we're dead. We're screwed right out the gate. It's 3 nothing Atlanta. And then we proceeded to watch a baseball game that for two and a half hours, however long it was, and I spent a lot of it on the air, so I'm not scoring it. I'm not intent on every pitch the way I like to be. But then the Mets went out and teased us for the next two and a half hours. Because think about the bottom of the first inning against Strider, who the Mets have actually had some pretty good success with. Usually what they do with him is they make him throw a lot of pitches. They make some contact. Spencer cries that we're lucky. That's usually how it goes. And the Mets knock him out of the game in the fifth inning. They get the first two guys on base. They actually got the first three guys on base. Brandon Nimmo leads off with a triple. He's driven in. And boom, it's three to one with first and third nobody out. It's all set up for the Mets to literally erase that three nothing deficit. And then we get teased. Pete strikes out. McNeil hits an infield pop up after a walk to Vogelback. Brett Beatty strikes out. But really, the story of this first game was how every time I thought, and I'm, I'm sure I wasn't alone, that this game was over before it started, the Mets kept fighting back. You know, you go to that second inning. When Reyes is chased, and I, I thought Buck made a mistake bringing him out for the second inning, but I think what Buck's thinking at this point is, despite how shaky he was in the first, I got to get innings, right? I got to find a way to get 27 outs, and I have a second game coming up, and who now knows how long McGill's going to go. And even though they're going to get a fresh arm in the second game, I think he's just trying to stretch another inning out of Reyes, but that was a huge mistake. I mean, that was, that was, let's be honest, that was freaking stupid. And he promptly gives up a home run. I think it was to Kevin Pillar. And then John Curtis comes into the game. And Ronald Acuna hit a home run. If you didn't see this, because I, I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people listening may have not been able to sit there and watch six hours of baseball on a, on a work day or a school day. But Ronald Acuna hit, I think, the furthest home run I've ever seen at City Field. He hit it into the third deck in left center. And I started to rack my brain about other bombs hit at city. Aaron judge had one for the Yankees in the subway series. Mark Reynolds had one back in the day with the diamondbacks. I know Yoannis had a bunch of bombs. I can't count the home run derby ones, to be honest with you. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki, I think hit one, but boy, that Acuna bomb was destroyed. And again, the game's over, right? It's six to one. We're dead. And then Pete Alonzo hits a three-run home run. And it's six to four. And then it's six to five. And then, ah, crap. The Braves break it open again. This time it's Jeff Brigham giving up a three-run home run. Who hit this one? Was it Murphy or Pilar? I forget. Somebody hit the home run. I don't remember. This is what happens when I have the scorecard in front of me. I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, it was, um, now I'm looking it up. It was, it was Murphy, Murphy again. That's right. Yeah. It was Murphy. That son of a bitch, man. That guy. What a pain, Pete. How much? Where were you? Weren't even at work today. Did you take off work just to watch the double header, Pete? I took off work to clean my basement that flooded uh, on Sunday night. So it's oh, been a rough God. 24 plus hours. It's beautiful. But I did watch the game and I did watch those home runs and it was miserable. By the way, I looked. It's not the furthest home run by Acuna Jr., by the way. You have, do you know the furthest home runs in City Field era? Well, the ones I named jumped out at me, but they jumped out at me because they were right-hand hitters. So I'm thinking of that part of the ballpark. But if I included left-hand hitters, I think Juan Soto may have put one on the bridge a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So 
Uh, I would stick with the guys I mentioned, Judge, Reynolds, Tulowitzki, Juan Soto would be. Oh, Giancarlo, I think hit a couple too. Those would be the names that jump out at me. But the furthest one is a former Met, Michael Conforto, 469. Really? Yes. Really? But Stanton has four, 468. Acuna's was 458, so it was close. But Boy, that's... You know what's funny about that? How do they really know for sure? We're separated by 10 feet now. I have you know? no idea. Well, where it lands, the, the trajectory. <laughs> so Conforto's number one and Stanton is number two? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised. It, it, it just shows the way we think sometimes, that when you think of the longest home runs at City Field, think about the names I just mentioned. They're, none of them were Mets. Like, I literally just went, racked my brain for guys who hit it against us. And even when I mentioned Cespedes, I'm thinking about the home run derby. So right. maybe sometimes as fans, we like to ignore the fact that our own guys occasionally hit long home well, runs. Because the ones that are more memorable are memorable are like the ones like the Mark Reynolds home runs, where you had yeah. like five home runs of four games. We're like, oh, I wish we could do that. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I think Pete will get up there eventually, too. He's hit some bombs. Uh, but this game really stunk. You know, A.J. Minter comes in the ninth inning. I'm hoping he's going to have another implosion like he did against the Marlins last week. And it was good to see Escobar hit the pinch hit home run just because I, I think Eduardo Escobar, and we talked about this last time on the Rico, the Tommy Pham versus Eduardo Escobar question when lefties are on the mound. I think I have more faith in Escobar to get hot and kind of take that role as the right-handed DH, obviously before Vientos gets called up, which should happen. So Escobar pinch hits for Vogel back, two outs, nobody on in the ninth inning. They're down by two, and he hits one out. So he showed a little bit of a pulse. Tommy Pham continues to not show a pulse. Pham pinch hit in this game for Luis Guillorme when Buck started to empty his bench. He pinch hit Canna for Nito, and he failed. But before that, he went Pham for Guillorme, and... Boy, his slumps continues. It does. Uh, the Mets are going to face a bunch of lefties coming up in Detroit. The streak continues where they always face lefties. I, I want to see Escobar over Tommy Pham. That's where I'm at. You know, obviously, I think we'd all want to see Vientos with the way he's hitting. But if you're giving me the choice right now, based on who's on the roster, Eduardo Escobar is starting to show a little bit of a pulse, and Tommy Pham's got none of it. So the Mets lose the opener 9-8. It was frustrating. But the second game was the game you kind of targeted and said, all right, this is the game you got to win. And I've mentioned this before about these important games in a 162 that are a little bit more important than others. I looked at the finale of this doubleheader as one of those. Because even though it would have felt like a weird sweep to get swept by Atlanta five innings Friday and then a doubleheader Monday, that's a very disjointed sweep. It still would be a sweep. And if you go back to their struggles against Atlanta at the end of the regular season, it would just further extend their losing streak against the Braves. Uh, not as much the standings thing, because the Mets are four games out going into the second game. So five games out versus three games out. Yeah, I'd rather be three out, but it wasn't even as much that. Because I do think it's early enough in the season. There's plenty of more games between the two teams where I'm not getting crazy about how many games back they are. I think this was more just for baseball mental health. You want to beat the Braves. As simple as that. Friday felt like such a cheap loss. The game one felt like a, we're handing it to you kind of loss based on their pitching situation or really their pitching decisions, I should say. So I looked at McGill versus Morton where the pitching matchup is a little bit more even 
certainly more than Freed versus Peterson and Spencer Strider versus the bullpen. And I circled that one as it started late in our show, Craig and I. And I said it to him off air. I said, this is the one I want now. Now the Mets have to go out and win a baseball game. Now let's see him go out and at least salvage what's been a very disappointing homestand. Because let's not forget, as disjointed as it is because of the rainouts on Saturday and Sunday, the Mets lost two out of three to the Nationals. So when you combine losing two out of three to the Nationals, the final two games against San Francisco on the West Coast trip, and now the first two games against the Braves, let's do all the math. That's six out of seven. That's a bad stretch of baseball. So I wanted this game. And to Tyler McGill's credit, it, it won't look good because of what happened in the sixth inning. But Tyler was really, really good in this game. Really good in this game. Daniel Vogel backstrokes that RBI double, gives him an early one nothing lead. They tack on another run in the fifth inning because, well, you know why? Because I forget who scored. Did Brett, When did Brett Beatty hit the home run against the lefty? Oh, that was game one. Okay. That was game one. That was a smash. Oh, my God. That was great. I, I don't want to forget that. For some reason, my brain started to tell me they scored the second run in the doubleheader on a Brett Beatty home run, but it wasn't. So I apologize for that. Uh, he did have a double in the game, though. So that's kind of cool. But they go up 2 nothing, and it sets up that sixth inning, which is a second-guesser's paradise. Tyler McGill in the sixth inning after he pitches five scoreless innings, and here come the Atlanta Braves starting to put something together. So let's walk through this fifth inning and decide together, sixth inning, and decide together how Buck handled this thing. Chadwick Trump doubles to lead off. He gets Pilar to fly out. He walks Matt Olson. He gets Austin Riley out. And now Sean Murphy walks. So we're set up with bases loaded, two outs, sixth inning. The Mets are up 2 nothing. The batter is Eddie Rosario, and he's got Drew Smith in the bullpen. All right, so McGill is starting to show a little shakiness right now. He's walked two of his three guys. His pitch count at this point is 84 pitches. So it's not a pitch count issue. It's really a... Do you trust him to get Rosario out? 